welcome to Series 2 of Depollution from Salvage Wire. In this podcast, we normally interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries. However, this episode is a recording of the recent Facebook Live conversation I had with Vince Edivan of the Automotive Recyclers Association, where we talk about electric and hybrid vehicles and the training and resources that are available from the AI. Salvage Wire have been supporting the vehicle recycling and dismantling industry for years with their specially designed accredited training courses on the safe handling of electric and hybrid vehicles. These courses are now even more relevant to the industry as the volumes of these vehicles increase. So learn how to keep your team and your business safe by registering for one of our courses many of which are now available online, so you do not have to leave your office, your study or your workshop to complete the training. Contact SalvageWire through our website www.salvagewire.com Hi everybody and thank you for joining myself and Andy Latham and uh, we are here to talk today to do kind of a Q&A on uh, hybrid electric vehicle and hybrid vehicle dismantling. Andy of course is an industry expert and consultant on the issue, also the uh, founder and, and uh, CEO of Salvage Wire. And so um, Andy before we get started I want to give you a couple seconds to just talk to us about um, about your experience, uh, your education. I mean, your 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 just total experience in this in this space and salvage wire. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Vince. Um, I've been in the automotive industry over forty years. I know I don't look that old, but I started when I was uh, when I was four, um, and. Uh, uh, came up through the retail side of the industry, uh, got to after sales manager for a franchise dealer and then joined uh, the UK's biggest insurer as a staff engineer, was a vehicle damage assessor. Uh, did 10 years of that and then moved into Blue Cycle, which was their wholly owned salvage subsidiary uh, and did 13 years there in, in the salvage uh, side of the industry. That work, work got outsourced eight years ago uh, to another company and we were all made redundant. Uh, and I'd already started being interested in electric and hybrid vehicles. So Salvage Wire was formed. Um, I Initially to be a consultancy industry, in, uh, company to the industry, but it's morphed into really sort of 65, 70% of the, of the work we do is electric and hybrid uh, work on and uh, we're working right across the industry we're working with universities and research and development people at one end who are looking at new technology uh, and new new innovations and we're working with the, the salvage and the recycling industries at the other end looking at dismantling the vehicles and uh, and recycling the components and everybody else in between um, I was working on on uh, one day last week with vehicle repairers people who've got to repair the vehicles mm-hmm. and uh, and do things like that. So, you know, I've, I'm bookend. Everything I do is bookended by, you know, universities, R&D at one end and scrap and recycling at the other. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't realize that you and I had something in common on our resumes. I worked as a, uh, a claims. Uh, I started as a claims adjuster and in the auto side of a major uh, insurance company here and then uh, moved up to a claims branch manager. So I worked for that company for about eight years. 
Mm -hmm. I learned a ton. I loved it, and uh, it was it was it was a good job. But we have that in common. Yeah, uh, and and uh, ARA is privileged to have Andy as our as our uh, consultant on on all things hybrid and electric vehicle. He's been a tremendous resource for ARA and for the auto recycling industry in general. Um, we have recently launched on ARA University Andy's um, full training module on EVs and hybrids and. Um, you want to plug that for a second, and then we'll we'll talk about your webinar, and we'll get to some questions. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. During the course of last year, we um, we were able to to write a a new EV manual for the ARA, uh, which is which is also available on the ARA University, and um, that builds on the manuals that are already available from the ARA. We had the original hybrid vehicle dismantling guide. And then how to recycle end-of-life hybrid batteries were the two previous manuals, and now this one builds on that and and you know adds adds to the to the knowledge base. And from that, we then developed eight training modules uh, that are also available on the ARA University for everybody to to take um, and to uh, and, and to learn about handling and dealing with electric and hybrid vehicles. Very good. Yeah, um, I would encourage any any ARA member to uh, to log in and and check that out on ARA University. And if uh, if you're watching this and you're you're a member of the auto recycling industry and you're not an ARA member, you can certainly we can certainly help you uh, become a member. And then uh, the ARA University, the hybrid and EV uh, training, along with all of the other training available on the university is a free member benefit once you're a member. So would love to help people uh, get connected with that resource because we put a lot of energy into that. I know Andy does and ARA has on different topics for training. So uh, the ARA University is a fantastic resource for the industry. Um, Andy, it's really, I mean, you can't you can't go anywhere or turn on the news or, or listen to anything these days without hearing about uh, electric vehicles, more so than hybrids anymore, right? Because what, 10, 15 years ago, hybrids was the new thing. And now, not so much. We're, everybody's, everybody's really focused on, high, on uh, electric vehicles, fully electric vehicles. Um, so tell us, let's talk about how that's impacting the auto recycling industry now and what you see as an impact in the future, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, it doesn't really matter whether it's a full electric vehicle or whether it's a hybrid vehicle. Um, both of both of the of the vehicles work on high voltage, and high voltage is um, you know a serious issue. Uh, I only need between seventy and ninety volts DC direct current to stop somebody's heart from beating. Uh, the, the Toyota Prius is running at two hundred volts. Uh, the Tesla is running at 400 volts and the new Porsche Taycan and the new Hyundai and uh, Kia platform is 800 volt DC batteries. So the prime consideration here doesn't matter what, what type of vehicle it is, whether it's electric, plug-in hybrid or just a, just a standard hybrid. The prime consideration here is to keep people safe. Uh, and, and if what we do today saves one, one person's life, then we've done our job. Yeah. Yeah. So as these vehicles begin, and they've certainly already have begun, but as they as they continue to come in in larger numbers to our auto recycling facilities, let's talk about what 
our what our industry, what these facilities has to do in order to prepare their their actual work environment and their people. Um, so how, how will the processing areas be impacted as we see more and more hybrid and electric vehicles come in? Yeah, could could I actually switch that around a little bit and actually talk yeah. about about people first? Because sure, the, sure. The, the, key, the key consideration here is to actually understand what the risks are. And the key consideration here is, is looking at, at the potential risk. There's a potential for electric shock, obviously. Um, there's also, uh, as with any vehicle, there's a potential for fire. Um, and I'm not saying that these vehicles will catch fire more often than, than any other vehicle. It's just that if they do catch fire, then there's some very, very serious consequences. Uh, and then also, if the battery has been damaged, then there could be the potential for electrolyte leakage. And the first thing that really needs to, to happen is that everybody in the business needs to understand where the risks are and what they need to do to mitigate, to eradicate these risks as much as possible. Uh, and a lot of that is actually down to the correct training and the correct tools and the personal protective equipment. Um, and then you then move into the processes around you know, how the car is processed through the business and what, what happens through the business. But you have to start with people understanding where the risks are. So you've got to start with people first and then move on to, to the, the tools and the PPE and the process that runs through the business. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned the potential for a thermal event, right? A fire, mm -hmm. um, and and when it happens with one of these batteries, it it is it is my understanding it is far more difficult to extinguish than a normal fuel yeah. fire, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, firstly, you've got um, you've got to take a lithium-ion battery, for example. Um, uh, and you've got multiple cells. The way the batteries are designed, there's multiple cells. And if if one of those cells catches fire, it then gets hot, and the one next to it catches fire. And then the one next to it, it's like a chain reaction. Yeah. And you can put the fire out, but because of the heat that's generated within the battery, uh, there is this, a very, very strong risk that that battery would will reignite. And the fire services, and I do a lot of work with the fire services, the fire service college here in the UK, for example, are telling me that for one, one electric vehicle, they need 10,000 litres of water. That's about 2,600, 2,500 gallons of water in an hour. Mm. And the reason they need that is they've got to cool that battery down. That's a, that's a massive amount of water. Um, going onto somebody's yard, onto somebody's somebody's uh, business in a very very short space of time. Now the problem that we have is that the average fire truck doesn't carry anywhere near that level of water. So you're looking at at, at a hydrant and a pump, and that's that's not the sort of thing that's going to arrive on on site with you in in a, right. a very short space of time. So by the time the fire services do arrive and they are able to to cope with one of these fires. You've got a vehicle burning out of control, possibly taking you know, a lot of other stuff with it. And in tests that we've done over the over the last few years, we have seen temperatures in excess of a thousand degrees centigrade from one of these one of these batteries on fire. So, it, you know, it is a massive um, incident if one of these catches fire. And that's what the fire services are telling me uh, that that's you know, that's the sort of thing that need, needs to happen. 
And you're thinking, hang on a minute, I've got 2,500 gallons of water in, in, an, in under an hour pouring onto my site. Where's that, where's that runoff? Where's, where's that going? water going to go? Yeah. And what's it carrying with it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so any fire is a major incident uh, yeah. on, on these, on these vehicles. Yeah. So, so we've, we've talked about, you know, the, um, the danger that it poses to humans, right. To the people we've talked about the, what happens and uh, how intense a thermal event can be. Um, it really, you know, one of my questions is, was how important is it to have suitable standards in our business when dealing with electric vehicles? I think we just answered that. <laughs> Unless That's, you have yeah, anything else yeah. to add to that, you know, why yeah, we need yeah, standards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because, 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 you know, and when we look at standards, when we look at processes, particularly processes in the yard, is that vehicle's coming into the yard. So who's receiving that vehicle? Is that vehicle being received into a specific quarantined area where if it does catch fire, because you've got no idea what condition that vehicle's in, but if it does come in, in you know, in, are you putting it into a quarantined area where if it does catch fire, it's not going to be a major problem? It's not right. going to take in other vehicles or buildings or something of that nature. But also who's looking at it? Who's inspecting it? Who's doing the appraisal on that vehicle? Are they qualified? Do they know what they're doing? Do they know how to make the vehicle safe or to check it and test it to see if it is safe to actually actually approach? You know, so so yeah. you're looking at processes all, all, all the way through all the way through this. And, and I would think, um, you know, to, to, to go one step before what you just said, um, being able to identify. Right. Not everybody can look at a vehicle and know that it's a, it's an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle. Sometimes they're badged. Some, maybe the badge mm -hmm. got knocked off. Maybe they didn't yeah. see the badge. But just to say, you know, uh, if, if a facility gets a, a truckload of vehicles, whoever's receiving them has to be able to identify. And, and maybe that's something in the future that um, from the point of sale. Maybe it can have it can be flagged so that as soon as it comes in and it's in a truckload, you may not know what it looks like, but maybe you get notified that I know that there's an EV or a hybrid on here somewhere, right? And yeah, I've got to look for it and 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 handle it accordingly. Um, what can we learn from the UK and Europe about processing hybrids and electric vehicles? Uh, it, it's 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 a learning process. It's a learning process all the time. We're 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 a little bit ahead of you as far as volume. Of vehicles is concerned so we've got a bit more experience um around these and it's actually it's getting the people trained it's getting the people um aware so so you need a, need some levels of training everybody in the business needs to be informed they need to to know what they're dealing with so they so they can actually identify the electric and hybrid vehicle whether it's identified from the paperwork that accompanies the vehicle or whether it's identified from clues on the vehicle, be it badges mm -hmm. that, that you mentioned just now. There could be a charge point, a plug somewhere that you can plug it in that you can see, or even just lifting the hood and seeing bright orange cables. And bright orange cables signify that the voltage in those cables is in excess of 60 volts direct current, 60 DC. And if, if it's got a bright orange cable, then there's voltage in, it in excess of 60 volts immediately deem that to be high voltage now yeah. you actually said you actually said 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 before from the point of sale so we're reliant then on the people selling selling the vehicle to put a sticker or or some notification on that doesn't always happen 
No. But that's one of, that's one of the key factors. You know, it's it's that initial you're right, initial identification. And and if if the people selling the vehicle don't do that job properly, then the people receiving the vehicle need to be informed. They need to know what they're dealing with. Um, and then you need to then have competent and authorized people who can then take over and actually deal with that vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it clearly at, at the uh, at, at the onset, you would want to I mean, you can you can imagine how much um, how much uh, damage and, and injury could be avoided by starting with an awareness campaign, you know, uh, with, with the people who engage a, a vehicle first when it comes through the through the gate, you know, making yeah. them aware, uh, you know, you, you, the orange cables indicating excess of 60 um, uh, watt volts, volts, direct yeah, current. Volts, and yeah, you, and yeah. you mentioned earlier, didn't you mention earlier that at 90, it will stop the heart? Bet between 70 and 90. 70 and 90. So that, you know, that is, that is significant and, and making sure that your people uh, at the very, very front of the, the supply chain, when that vehicle comes in, understand to look for that more and more, because it's going to, it's going to happen more and more frequently. Absolutely. Is there, what would you say uh, are the costs? So if you, if, if I'm operating a facility and I'm staying away from EVs, I'm staying away from hybrids, but I, now I want to start getting into it. Um, I want to have the right training. What what do you what do you see estimate would be the cost for the necessary equipment to begin to safely process dismantle and warehouse uh, the pieces off of an electric vehicle yeah. or a hybrid yeah. vehicle? Yeah. Well, you know, again, you've got to go back back to people again. The first thing you've got to do is train train your people. Um, so, and there is training out there, uh, and various different levels of training out there. And we've actually developed quite a few of these now that are, that are available online as well. So we don't have to travel to site. We can do it online and do, do online training. Um, and that's, you know, running at anything from about, uh, what, about 200 to $600 per person, depending on the level of, of training training that you're looking for. And all of that is, is accredited. It's all accredited um, training as well. Then you've got to look at your tools and your PPE, which you're looking Somewhere, you know, for the basics, you're looking somewhere at about eleven hundred dollars for something of that of that nature, um, and then you then have have the location where you're actually do, doing the work, uh, and you need, um, you know, just basically just a, a location. Depends type of vehicle. Some vehicles, the batteries come come out from the inside of the vehicle, so you're going to need a crane or or something like that to lift them out because of the weight of the batteries. Other batteries are bolted up underneath the vehicle. So you need to have a, 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 um, a ramp that you can move up and down. And then you roll a table underneath the vehicle, drop the car down onto a table, finish unbolting the battery and lift the car away on, on the table. And, you know, you can, you know, you may well have a ramp in, in, um, on site that can do that. Mm -hmm. And all you need is just a, a table on wheels that's capable of carrying about 1,400 pounds in weight because, the, the Tesla battery, Jaguar I-Pace battery is about that sort of weight. So just to put that in perspective, that's about eight of us. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so do you do you think um, in regards to the table, um, do you have to be concerned about, should you be concerned about, uh, you know, the table being constructed of, of conductive material or should you, should you have a rubber top on it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you, that? You, you, 
you could put a rub, a, a wood or, or a rubber top um, on it, or even just use a pallet. Right, right. Yeah. And then when it comes to warehousing, I mean, there's been a lot of different opinions about, you know, warehouse it inside, warehouse it outside, climate control. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on warehousing it? Well, th there's a couple of things to think of here. Obviously, we're talking one, about specifically the batteries, not the rest yeah, of the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. But number one is that you need, you know, because of the weight of the batteries, you've got to be able to roll them in and out using manual, ha you know, manual handling processes. Um, you've then also got to keep the chemistry separate. So you have to put nickel metal hydride one side, lithium ion the other side. Um, of a, of a of a of a storage container, and the final thing really is is temperature. Um, if if they get too hot, then they get destroyed. Um, they will not operate. If they get too cold, you know, and I'm talking here temperatures well into the minuses, then again, it, it could it could damage the batteries. So you have to be, you have to be, you have to find a a place to store them where they're not going to get too hot, they're not going to get too cold, um, yeah. and they have to be separate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I say, you could put nickel metal hydride one side of the container, lithium mm -hmm. ion the other side with a walkway through the middle. Absolutely fine. Oh, that, okay, yeah. So so you, so a container could work as long as yeah. it, it's not going to get too hot or too cold. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what are the, what are the uh, recommended training per se, for an EV tech? What would you recommend an EV tech go through? We would we would like an EV tech to go to what we call level three, uh, which would be the same same as an authorized person. Um, so so you've got you've got four or maybe five levels of training here. Level one is just informed. It's just aware it's informed. Level two, level three, and then you know level level four and and master master level which I'm at. Um, but level three would be for somebody who is removing the high voltage battery, particularly the high voltage battery. Level three would be a minimum. Uh, they are the person that can work on the vehicle when it's live and make it safe. Um, but that does not discharge the battery. The battery still got power, power within it. So then they would be the person that would remo remove the high voltage battery. Once they've made it, made it safe, once they've cut the power and they've made it safe, other components could be removed by a level two um, mm -hmm. competent person. Uh, so the inverter, the converter, the electric motor, um, the air conditioning pump and things like that can all be removed by, by you know, uh, a level two qualified person. But the level three should really be the person that's doing the making safe and then removing and storing the battery. So just to, just to be clear, uh, even though you've had a level three person um disconnect the power right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you still wouldn't want a completely untrained somebody who's used to dismantling a regular combustion engine vehicle you should and hasn't had no training on an ev you still would not recommend to have that person come over even though the battery's been disconnected and discharged or whatever you, you still don't want somebody who's completely um, uh, untrained on an EV to come in behind to, to make the mistake that thinking once the battery is disconnected or removed, it's just like an ICE vehicle. No. For example, uh, the electric motor, if you, the, the, the part of the motor is actually connected directly to the drive wheels. 
And if you turn the drive wheels, it will generate power. Hmm. Without so even battery, the, you're generating power yeah, now. And you're, you're back charging the system, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's little things like that, that that those people really need to be aware of and know. Yeah, very good. Um, so we know that we, we know that there are resources. Why don't we talk about where the resources are for this training? Obviously, I mean, the first first port of call for everybody should be ARA University, uh, and that should be the first port of call. There's there's manuals, there's uh, 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 training available on there as well. Um, then contact me. Um, you know, as I say, we've got training right up to level three that we can do. Uh, for you and, and a lot of that we can do remotely as well without any problem at all um, sensible you know uh, sensible uh, levels of training uh, a lot of it's video based as well um, with a practical assessment that we that we do at the end of it and then there's plenty of other um, training training uh, operators around the US as well around the world mm-hmm. um, you know one of uh, one of my good friends is Craig van Battenberg at uh, fixed hybrid um, up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, again, he, he does a lot of training and, uh, and, you know, we, would strongly recommend him as well as, as, you know, the work, the work that I can do. And there mm. are many others, many others. Okay. Around. Um, what, so what should ARA members do uh, to make sure that they're prepared to handle these vehicles? Well, well, as we said earlier, number one is the training. Yeah. Then num- and then, and then number two is having the right, um, personal protective equipment and the tools to do the job and then and then the processes that uh, you know keep everybody safe so everybody knows what their job is and everybody knows what their role is right um so let's as we wrap this up um let me ask let's talk about the future for a couple seconds uh mm-hmm. what do you think the future looks like for electric vehicles and 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 you know volume legislation what what, what's your thoughts? What's your what do you see? Well, you have to look at particularly at the moment legislation. Um, we've already got legislation in the UK that is is saying uh, no more brand new internal combustion engine vehicles from 2030 onwards. Um, Norway have got that from 2025. That's already in legislation. California, 2035. Uh, British Columbia, 2040. And other nations, other states are also going to follow suit as well, because the ultimate aim here is that they what they have to. And as we've seen in the last week with the climate conferences and everything else, they have to reduce the carbon emissions. Um, we're currently we're currently running at 400 parts per million of, of CO2 in the atmosphere. Um, a, a hundred years ago, it was 250 parts per million. It's now 400. Mm-hmm. And. If I go back in history and if I go back to you know, the archaeologists, the, the dinosaurs, um, they got uh, killed off when the CO2 reached 800 parts per million. We have to do something around the CO2 that we're pumping into the atmosphere, because if we don't, then our children, our grandchildren are going to be accusing us of failing them. Right. And, and, and that's that's where we have to go. And one of these, you know, we've got used to having cars. We've got used to having personal mobility. And we have to reduce the emissions that are coming out of those vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, what size of vehicle. And this is also then going to go into, into um, 
planes and, and flight. This is also going to go into shipping as well. Um, and it's not going to be just just electric. OK, there are going to be other things coming along as well. Hydrogen is one of the uh, one of the fuels that's going to going to come into use in the next few years. And that will come initially that will come into heavy commercial vehicles uh, because they don't want to have four tons of, of, of batteries in the vehicle. Right. You know, because, because that hits payload. So they're right. going to go they're going to go hydrogen. And that will then, once they've established, that will then trickle down into into cars. And people like myself, I mean, I'm I'm regularly doing 250, 300, 350 mile days. Uh, for people like me who do big mileage, hydrogen will be the way to go. Mm-hmm. For people, for people who might only do 50 or 60, maybe even 100 miles a day, then electric is is going to be the way to go. So, yeah. you know, it's it. You're know, going to have that, and then there's a and then looking future. There's talk at the moment about synthetic fuels, but uh, that, if I'm honest, is going to be 12, 15, maybe even 20 years away. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless, there's obviously a lot of people have different perspectives uh, on on this, but there's no there is no uh, there's no way to deny that that electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, they're going to continue to increase in volume, obviously. Uh, in in a lot of cases, we're going to see legislation that's going to encourage that growth. And um, and if you're and if you if you anticipate staying in the auto recycling industry, uh, this is some very very valuable and important. There's money to be made, uh, mm-hmm. and and as long as you approach it uh, safely and and well trained and well aware, uh, business can be conducted you know uh, differently but the same right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah great yeah and it does it does brings bring it's different opportunities but it brings opportunities to to everybody yeah well look andy uh, it's great to see you haven't seen you in a long time uh, and i'm looking forward to the next time we get to be together i know that a lot of people uh, are are anxious to get together um, so I hope you and your family are well. I really appreciate you taking time. I think this has yeah, been a very, very good conversation. So uh, you have a great day and, yeah. and, and look forward to seeing you next time. And I'm looking forward to hopefully traffic, uh, weather permit, not weather, um, pandemic permitting being in Dallas for the ARA convention in November. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to that. Thank you again, Andy. All the best. Thanks, Vince. You too. Bye-bye. You will find full details on how to connect with the Automotive Recyclers Association in the notes for this episode. Please subscribe and take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And please give us a rating. And we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.